We can't have states like Colorado. We can't have a uh, secretary of state of Maine throwing presidential candidates off the ballot. Our job is to yeah. make sure that the rules are equal, that there's no thumb on the scale. There should be no doubt that the court will find that at least President Trump was protected for what he did. What Joe Biden did was worse. He, he's on tape telling his person that's helping him write the book, oh, the classified documents are downstairs in the basement. Go get them. All right, folks, you know, I hope you enjoyed the weekend. I think the big winner last night with Las Vegas. It looked a lot of fun to be out there. Uh, I stayed up way too late watching the end of that game. And let's just say, I wish it had gone a different way. I don't want to get into it. I don't want, I, I know everyone had a different take on this thing. I just would have liked to have not, I'd like to have, I don't know why. I really didn't care that much, but I think Vegas did a, a great job of making it look like a lot of fun for those of us who couldn't be there. Uh, we have a big show for you. Just remember, by the way, South Carolina's primary is not this Friday, next Friday, 50 delegates at stake, but I think a lot more than that. This could be the nail in the Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley political coffin. I just, I, I don't see how you go on if you get crushed in your state. That's going to be a big deal. So let's, let's, let's wait and see how this goes. But big things coming up tomorrow night, the New York special election for that seat that George Santos vacated. Republicans feel a little good about this. We'll obviously cover this and break down everything that happened, but really interesting, great candidate up there in New York. Anyway, uh, our, Guest today is Jay Ashcroft, and he is the Secretary of State of Missouri. He's also an attorney. He was in the room in the Supreme Court when this case went down. So I, this is why this is going to be such a great conversation with him. Um, he will be able to tell us what the mood was like, what what uh, arguments worked well, how he sees this playing out. But here's the other thing. They have been a leader in election integrity. I get more questions about this than anything else. What are we doing to secure our vote? What are we doing to make sure that the Dems won't do crazy stuff? He's going to break this down. If you want to know how you can help, watch this interview. I'm going to get to all of that with Jay Ashcroft. Before we do that, though, uh, I want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Delta Rescue. You guys have heard me talk about Delta Rescue before. It was founded by a guy named Leo Grillo. He started rescuing animals. He first one he rescued was a Doberman. And then he founded Delta Rescue. And if you go on deltarescue.org, you can check out the great work they do. Just click on one of the videos. If you're an animal lover, I've rescued three dogs. I know what it's like to, you hear stories about you know, shelters that can take care of them for this long or that long. Delta Rescue is a no-kill sanctuary, not a shelter, a sanctuary. If they take these dogs in, give them the nutrition, uh, the veterinarian care, and let them roam free. It's amazing what they do. And Leo has done an amazing job of helping to fund this place. And so if you go to deltarescue.org, you can give five, 10, 100, 1,000, whatever you want to support this mission if you're an animal lover. But more importantly, there's a, a state planning kit there. If you can help make Delta Rescue an enduring mission, which is what Leo really wants to make this go on forever so that we can keep taking in dogs, cats, horses, other animals that are being neglected and abused and abandoned, please do that. Go download that kit. See if it can be part of your estate planning. Go to deltarescue.org and take it there. All right. I also want to talk to you about my friends at Bishop Gold. The economy is nuts. You see the ups and downs of the stock market. One of the things that I did was I made precious metals part of my investment strategy. I called the folks at Bishop Gold, 
right? So you can call them 844-984-1616, or you can go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean and have a conversation with them about maybe an IRA or a 401k or just adding this to your investment strategy. I did this. When I talk to you about products that I use, and I know you get hit up by gold groups all the time, I trust the people at Bishop Gold Group. I sat down, I called them, and had a conversation about what I could do, what made sense for me. And they can either ship it to you, they can hold it for you, they can talk to you about how you can liquidate it at some point if you need to get rid of it. But they will have a conversation about what's best for you and your particular investment strategy. So go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, and you'll have a special promotion there to begin your journey with precious metals. Trust me, I love these folks. They're great. Bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to begin your investment strategy with precious metals. All right, guys, let's get into it with the 40th uh, Secretary of State, who is an attorney, was in the courtroom to see that Supreme Court hearing, plus talk a little bit about election security. Mr. Secretary, thank you for joining us. I, I think what was cool and I was talking about before we started was uh, you got to be in the courtroom because of this amicus brief, I guess. What what was it like? What was the mood in there like? Because I think for a lot of us, we just heard the audio. You know, the mood was, uh, I think it was pretty somber, especially at first, because this is such a big case. Uh, if the court were not to rule the right way, I really think it would tear our constitutional republic apart. Uh, the, mood, the mood, I would say, got more lighthearted as time went on. It would seem pretty clear that the justices were generally, if not unanimously, in agreement that we can't have states like Colorado. We can't have uh, Secretary of State of Maine throwing presidential candidates off the ballot. I mean, uh, Justice Kagan, who is not the most conservative justice of the court, was even questioning how can we allow one state to make this decision? This, this doesn't make sense. Um, you know, we had uh, another, what I would generally call a liberal justice saying, well, the, the 14th Amendment doesn't even include the office of president. It talks about presidential electors. It talks about uh, electors for vice president, but it doesn't mention president. How do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, very aggressive questioning of the Colorado attorney, uh, the attorney uh, Mitchell for, uh, for Trump, I think did a, a phenomenal job. He was he just stayed in his lane. Uh, no matter what the questions were, he answered them. He answered them well and then just kept on the message of here's what you have to do and here's why. Uh, the real turning point was probably when Justice Roberts, the Chief Justice, uh, started talking about his concerns with tit for tat political ramifications if this were allowed to stand up, which is really the, the focal point of the brief that I wrote that 10 other secretaries of state joined in, that's when I really felt like, okay, we're going to save the republic. We're going to move forward. Uh, the adults are taking charge. So there were several angles at which people were looking at this from, right? You, you brought up a couple of them. One is that the 14th Amendment enumerates several of the people that are officers, presidential electors, members of the House and Senate. It specifically doesn't get to the president or the vice president. Um, and that, that issue was brought up. Then there was the issue, and I think you referenced what Justice Kagan said, I think it was her, that mentioned, well, what if, or it might've been even Katanji Brown, I can't remember where, um, it, it, it was that, well, what shouldn't, what should one state be able to have the authority to dictate uh, the outcome of an election or who people could vote for? There are a couple other angles. Was there one angle that you thought was particularly persuasive 
that you could see the justices reacting to? Yeah, I think they were really looking at the fact that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is not meant to be self-executing. I think they were really honing in on the idea that there's this prohibition and Congress is specifically authorized to provide how that works. They, they haven't done that other than the, the statute that's criminalizing insurrection. Um, but there was a lot of talk about how would you know who was supposed to make this decision? Uh, I think uh, Justice Kagan even said, what is the legal definition of insurrection? Uh, so I think that there's really going to be a lot of look at saying this is up to Congress to fix. If they want there to be a, a path for people to be disqualified, if they want there to be a process, they're supposed to create that. I think that the attorneys for Colorado really kind of stepped in it when they were saying that there doesn't need to be that legislation from Congress. Every case regarding whether or not someone's thrown off the ballot can just go to the Supreme Court. I think the justices did not like having to rule on this case. Right. And uh, they even mentioned, so there may be tens or hundreds of these cases that we have to deal with over the next decade. You could tell they were looking for a limiting principle and being able to say, oh, it's Congress's fault or Congress needs to do the work as opposed to they do, I think was a real winner with most of the justices. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of discussion about You know, you brought up several things here that the court didn't want to really be dealing with this and they're potentially looking for a way out. And that that's from court watchers. And the the idea that they may be trying to find some narrow way of coming to like a 9-0 decision on a very narrow way of doing this without necessarily exonerating Trump or saying anything. And the one thing that I keep hearing is that this issue that you brought up, well, Congress needs to address how this would work. Uh, do you think that they are going to really limit how they, the remedy on this and, and try to get to 9-0 and say, well, we're not really here to discuss the merits of an insurrection versus a riot or whether he did it or he's to blame or blah, blah, blah. But we believe that if there's a remedy, it's, it's Congress that needs to provide it. And therefore, that's all we're going to say on it. I think you are exactly right. That's exactly what they're trying to do. There was very little discussion of insurrection, and most of that from the justices was, what's even the definition of insurrection? I bet there wasn't 10 minutes on insurrection, probably wasn't five, although I haven't timed it. Um, There was talk, uh, as Justice Brown brought up, that the president wasn't specifically noted in that. Um, But I think they stay away from that because President Trump is different than virtually every other president, and that he hasn't held other offices. I think they're looking for something that doesn't look like this is because of Trump, that is comprehensive, which avoids talking about insurrection, which avoids even talking about whether Trump is a good person or a bad person. And they can do that by saying Congress hasn't done their job. And it's generally pretty popular in the United States to say that Congress hasn't done its job. (laughs) Yeah, that's a winning issue every day of the week. Um, let me, I, there was something that I always thought was unique about this. Uh, and I think it went unnoticed by a lot of people and maybe it's because it doesn't matter and maybe I just find it interesting. Both Colorado and Maine had Trump taken off the primary ballot, right? They were basically trying to say the Republican Party can't list him as a candidate, which I always thought was interesting because parties generally get a lot of leeway as far as how they conduct their business. 
why do you if 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 this had let's just hypothetically say that they ruled that that that, that they have the right to do this that Colorado and Maine had the right this and it, which I don't think will happen but just play along with me for a second did they do this for a reason because then they can take him off the general election ballot even if he were to become the nominee like was there a strategy behind what Colorado and Maine were doing because I thought it was odd that they were really attacking what was generally a party function, i.e. conducting a primary. Um, in Colorado and Maine, the state is responsible for running the primary election. The state actually prints the ballots. So I think that's why the state got involved at the primary level. Um, in fact, there was some talk in Colorado when this was first occurring about the Republican Party maybe just deciding we're going to go ahead and have a caucus. and tell the Secretary of State in Colorado to just pound sand. Right. Um, having said that, I think it's good that it came up now because I think the Supreme Court is going to make sure that their ruling covers not only primaries, not only if there was a caucus type thing, but also general elections. I don't think we're worried about a piecemeal approach. I think the Supreme Court is going to make sure that this never comes back to them until Congress makes <laughs> a move. And that's good. Right. People need to know that they get to make the choice. If, 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 if Colorado were allowed to kick them off, you would see other states that would kick off not only the Democrat, but they would look at congressional candidates because that's where it would really matter. I mean, if Colorado, if California kicks Trump off the ballot, Trump's probably not going to win California, right? Biden is not going to win Missouri if Missouri were to throw him off. But you could actually change the makeup of Congress if Republican states said, well, these Democrat congressional critters, we're not going to let them run. And California said, well, these congressional districts keep electing Republicans. We're not going to allow them to run. And then you end up with not a, and not only do you end up with the House of Representatives deciding who the president is because so many ballots they've been kicked off of, but it's chaos. And yeah. we couldn't survive that. I, I just, it's funny to me how willy nilly the left is willing to throw out the law for a short term gain. It's not surprising. I keep seeing it over and over again in a in variety of um, aspects of our culture and society, but they literally don't care. Uh, let me ask, how, how soon do you think does the Supreme Court get, will, will they give us a decision? I think we get a decision this week. Okay. It would not have surprised me if we had gotten the decision today. Um, I don't believe we've gotten it yet today, but I think it will be this week. And, and, and just to jump back, I think the, the reason how we can understand why Democrats did this is because they always believe that they get to play by a different set of rules. Yeah. We've seen that with all these lawsuits. We've seen that all the time. And, and they, what really caught their attention and why they were yelling and screaming was you had people like me that said, well, if that's going to be the rule, it's going to apply to both sides equally. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because you were very out front and I, the media went after you. And I was just like, you brought up a fact, which I think is fair, which is, okay, guys, if you want to throw this guy off for something that he hasn't been charged with, never mind convicted of, never mind, no one in this country was charged with insurrection. You're going to throw him off questions about the 14th Amendment in terms of who was, I mean, like a lot of valid issues. Um, then, well, hey, why can't we do it? And everyone was like, oh, that's crazy. And I'm like, wait a second, why is it crazy? And I think you brought up a very important issue, which is why do they get to play with these rules and we don't? Yeah, and, you know, 
all I was really saying was, we're going to apply the, the rules equally. I think I was the first Secretary of State or Election Authority to go public on that. But that's our job, is to yeah. make sure that the rules are equal, that there's no thumb on the scale. And uh, I think that just shows they knew how egregious they were when they were going to have to follow those same rules. Uh, my dad always likes to say that you back up the hearse and let people smell the roses. And we, I wanted to say, look, guys, you're going to have to follow these same rules. And we tried to do that at the Supreme Court. And I, I think it helped. I, I do. I mean, how important is um, a, a unanimous verdict, a 9-0 versus a, a 6-3? Um, uh, unanimous would be phenomenal. Uh, I don't know that we get a unanimous decision. Uh, Justice Sotomayor uh, did not tip her hand that there was any inkling that she would be able to, uh, not the way that Justice Kagan or Justice Brown did. Uh, but even if it's just an 8-1, I think that's phenomenally better than a 6-3. I think just getting Ketanji Brown-Jackson to to uh, to vote with, with that would be massive, right? This very, very leftist jurist to side, it, that alone would be huge under any circumstances. Yeah, it would be. I mean, the fact that we were at a case of that importance and as conservatives, we're quoting Justice Brown uh, right. <laughs> or Justice Kagan, that gives you a good feeling. Yeah. So the other case that Trump is dealing with uh, with respect to the Supreme Court is this case of immunity. Now, Here's the thing that I, I was hoping you might shed some light on, right? So he's claiming that, hey, when I'm president, I have immunity just as, you know, and, and what Stephen Miller and others have pointed out is if, if, if you don't have immunity for the actions you take in the office you hold, then you could hold, you know, Barack Obama or Joe Biden uh, guilty or charge them with actions they took that resulted in, in Americans being killed, right? The, the Afghanistan withdrawal in the case of Biden, which I don't think anybody would, would agree you should be able to do. That's nuts. There's a line that seems to be clear, which is what are you doing in your capacity as president or any office versus what are you doing as a, as a civilian, right? So if, 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 a, if a president were to take a gun or murder somebody in some other fashion, you can't say that that's in support yeah. of the, of their job. Where do you think that case comes out and how important is it into his overall legal strategy? You know, I, I think it's an important case um, because I think there's been a lot of working to find juries that frankly don't care about the facts um, that are anti-Trump. So I think it's important for him to get a good ruling. I think he will. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about the ruling. I hope it is narrow. Um, this is such, the facts of this case are so terrible for the prosecutors that they're going after a president for trying, in his view, to make sure that the laws are faithfully executed. That's part of the job of the president. You take an oath to make sure right. that the laws are, are faithfully executed. So I, I think there should be no doubt that the court will find that at least President Trump was protected for what he did. Um, I don't know that we will get an all-encompassing whatever a president in the future says he did as part of his official duties he has immunity for. Um, but this is just such an egregious case that's been brought up against the president for speaking out about what a lot, millions of Americans saw as problems with how the laws were executed. But the thing that I find fascinating is, again, this gets back to, to your original point 
with the la- with the latter case, right? Which is, okay, guys, you don't want to give the president immunity, right? Fine. I get it. You hate Trump. It's a DC jury, whatever. Once you do that, then you open the floodgates to go after every previous president for actions that they took as president. And the left can't say, well, that's ridiculous because you just said that, you know, if this ruling were to come out and deny the president has any, any immunity, that would seemingly open those gates up. How much money did this current administration give to the terrorist Hamas and to Iran and to their surrogates? in the days and weeks that led up to the massacre we saw in Israel, when they attacked a race and country of people solely for their religious beliefs. And that, you know, that's still ongoing. We still have American hostages that are being held. Um, There are case after case where this same rule will be applied uh, to Democrats, and they are not used to being held accountable. That's why I think the Supreme Court will be careful with this ruling, but specifically because the facts are so ridiculous that all the president was doing was saying, hey, there's there's allegations of fraud here. You need to look at this. That's yeah. not wrong. That's what we should want our elected officials doing, making sure that the election was counted correctly. Hey, folks. I've thought about contingency planning for years. I was a graduate of the Naval War College. One of the things that we talked about all the time was what happens when things go wrong. Maybe that's a natural disaster, but what happens when the power goes out in your house for an hour, maybe a day, maybe weeks or months? Will you be ready? Could you power all of the things that you and your family needs, medical devices, electronics, tablets, computers, or even your refrigerator to make sure that you have a food supply? Well, guess what? With the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, you wouldn't have to worry about any of that. And it comes with a free solar panel because that's what powers it. You don't need to worry about gas or filling it up or running and hoping that that's all there. Nope, the Patriot Power Generator works just off the solar panels that come with it. If you go to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer, you can check out this great, great deal that they have. Fourpatriots.com slash Spicer. You get the Patriot Power Generator, which powers all of those things, a refrigerator, medical devices, all the things that you would need in time of an emergency come with it. And the best part is it's portable. It can run in your house. You can put it in your car. Those are the kind of things that get you ahead of the things that you never want to deal with. Go right now to fourpatriots.com slash Spicer and check out the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. This will be your savior in a time of an emergency. I want to move on because the other big, big issue that came out was this case, uh, the special counsel report against Joe Biden and his handling of classified information. I just want to start with the, the media um, and the left like to point out that Biden cooperated, right? They keep saying, well, Joe Biden cooperated. No. The first thing I want to, but, but let's, let's just, because I, I have a, a thought on that. But the first thing that I want to ask you as an attorney is in a case, if you, how much does cooperation and or intent matter to whether or not you broke the law or should be prosecuted? Uh, cooperation usually just matters for the uh, penalty phase of a trial. Uh, you know, in- intent matters sometimes as to whether or not you committed the crime. Are you required to have mens rea? Is it something where just the fact that you did it means you committed the crime? But the fact that he supposedly cooperated and he didn't. Uh, I think the evidence is clear that he's had some of these documents for maybe 40 years. Uh, he had documents in his possession that he never had the authority even to take out of 
a secure facility. He was not the president of the United States. He did not have the authority to declassify anything he wanted. Um, and everything they've said, we're, we're, oh, it was just three or four documents. It was six documents. It was hundreds of pages. It was clearly locked and so stored in a secure manner. No, it was in his garage next to his, his Corvette. Um, it is, it's wrong. Uh, clearly, if, 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 if you even use the standard that's being used for Donald Trump, even if you use an appropriate standard, what Joe Biden did was worse. He was not the president. He did not have the authority. He had these when he was a senator. He, he's on tape telling his person that's helping him write the book, oh, the classified documents are downstairs in the basement. Go get them. I See, that to me, that th this is what sort of blew my mind is I, I know several, I've read several stories over the years of contractors, government workers, et cetera, that took documents, that, that mishandled them. They weren't, no one asked them about their intent. In fact, in some cases, they said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't realize it was stuffed in there. Da, 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 da. And I said, I'm sorry, you're losing your clearance, you're being prosecuted, or you're being fined. I, I just don't understand why, in this case, intent suddenly, you know, it, it all mattered in this particular case, because to your point, he's telling the biographer, here's where the classified documents are. I mean, that's I, I that you couldn't have any. That's intent. I knew I had them. Here's where they are. And you, by the way, you biographer who do not have a clearance can go look at them and use them. Yeah, it's um, I guess they figured that the oh, I was just sticking the documents in my socks when I stole them from the archives had already been used up and they had to think of another excuse for the president. There's no but, excuse for this. Right. The thing and I wanted to get this is what I was going to say. I was getting back to they keep acting as though, well, he cooperated. I, and, and the thing that I find funny is you, you brought this up. He had had them for decades, years. And the only reason he brought them up, brought this issue up, went looking for them and asked his team to cooperate is because he watched what happened to Trump, right? So he's watching all this happen, go, oh my goodness, I might have some. I should have my team go look and, and flag it. But it wasn't like this was like, oh my gosh, it happened Tuesday afternoon at five and Wednesday morning. I woke up and said, hey, let's do this. For decades, they were stored in insecure places. And the only reason that he brought this up is because he's watching on television tr what's happening to Trump and says, I better flag this before somebody else does. Well, and then he didn't reach out to, you know, the archives or, or to, the, the, to the, the, the appropriate authority. He reached out to his attorneys and said, hey, go find all this stuff at my house. Go find all this stuff at other places. And it sounds to me like it was months after they had done that, that they actually said, oh, yeah, we have it, too, and turned it over. So he right. didn't cooperate. Well, the thing that I find funny is I'm reading a lot of these media stories and the talking points the Dems have sent out about he was exonerated. And here's what page one of this report says. Our investigation uncovered evidence that President Biden willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after his vice presidency when he was a private citizen. He retained materials documenting his opposition to troop surge, including a classified handwritten memo he sent to President Obama over the 2009 Thanksgiving holiday and related marked classified documents. 
FBI agents recovered these materials from Mr. Biden's Delaware garage and home office in December of 2022 and January of 2023. Um, they, they knew, I mean, they keep saying he was exonerated. No, there's a difference between we're not going to take this to trial and you did nothing wrong. Well, yes. And they didn't mention there that they also had documents that I believe were at the Penn Center. It wasn't just in his garage. It wasn't just in his office. They were at multiple locations. Right. They were moved. They were not secure. I mean, not to be impolite, but essentially the report said he's guilty. He's just too dumb to prosecute. <laughs> right? No, that's it's it's. Yeah, exactly. We probably can't get a jury to convict them. I watch a law, a lot on order, law and order, and it happens all the time where they'll say the evidence is there, but I don't think the jury will convict. So let's get a deal or do something. The thing that I thought was so funny is the outrage that these guys had at the report, obviously for the, for the other part that we can talk about, but Biden's own lawyers were able to review this report before it came out before Merrick Garland commented on it. They had an opportunity to give their input. They briefed him and now they're mad at it. Well, because there was too much truth in it. They <laughs> wanted a report that would just gloss over that what happened. And they, they expected a complicit investigator that would lie. And I think at some point, the investigator said, look, you committed a crime. I'm not charging you with the crime, but I got to do something so I don't look like a total idiot. Um, well, but they just expected that, hey, we're Democrats. This doesn't happen to us. You know, there's this thing on... Uh uh, and when you just said that, I just, this is totally not for nothing, but there's this like Instagram little meme thing that goes on where it says, you know, we're Missourians. And so we do this. And, we, and I keep yeah. thinking there should be one that says we're Democrats. We think we can get away with the law, breaking the law. Um, the thing that I found funny was they're upset, obviously, with his characterization of him being a sympathetic old man with a poor memory, right? But the statute, the the special counsel statute says that he needs to justify why he's not bringing charges. And he had to be able to say, I didn't do, I didn't bring the charges, even though I think he broke the law, because here's why a jury won't convict him, correct? I, I, I guess, but something to remember is, if he's been doing this for decades, he was not a senile old man, according to the investigator 10, 20 years ago. Yes. So exactly. to say that the jury won't convict him isn't to say that he didn't have the mental ability to know that what he was doing was wrong when he did it. Yeah. This is I, I saying think that, he's guilty as sin. Well, and, and I think that's the thing. The, th the last thing I want to do on this before we get to election stuff is that I remember uh, not too long ago, when all of these folks on the left of the media would rage about Donald Trump attacking the prosecutors and the judicial system and weaponizing the DOJ. And yet these guys sent out Kamala Harris on Friday to attack the prosecutor, to start threatening that Garland won't have his job in a second Biden term, which luckily we won't let happen anyway. But I think it's so funny how the, these guys were all in arms about President Trump talking about prosecutors until they didn't think the system was fair to them. And, and name one political opponent that Trump prosecuted. Right. Name one individual that Trump twisted the law to go after. He didn't. It's all projection. It's all them claiming that Trump, President Trump, was doing what they themselves are doing or even not as bad as they're doing. Yeah. I want to, I want to, 
move on to, to like your wheelhouse. Because uh, obviously you're an attorney, you brought this case, and that's why it was so helpful to have you break down everything that we just talked about. But probably the number one question I get when I go out and do events or I'm talking to friends is what are we doing to make sure that there is more integrity in our election system uh, as we go out and vote in 2024? And you have been a huge proponent of voter ID, of rooting out fraud. You've been at the forefront of this. You've been a champion of this. So if you get, help me answer that question. What have we done or what are we changing? And I'm not just talking about Missouri because as you talk to other secretaries of state and give them guidance, talk to them about best practices, what are you telling them? What are you seeing? Uh, we're moving toward photo ID. We finally, uh, government issued photo ID in Missouri and it works. We're outlawing private funding. So there's not a thumb down on the scales of how elections are run. You're seeing election authorities that are saying, we're going to use paper ballots. If there's any question, we're pulling up the ballot and looking at it, not some ones and zeros on a flash memory card. You're seeing better audits, uh, maybe a combination of using the machines, which people don't fully trust for for good reasons, but give us a fast count. And then we're going to use a hand count audit. So you have to, you have to hack both of those. You're seeing uh, states look at residency to make sure you can only register to vote in one place. So we know where that is. So we can, we can check on that. Uh, we'd love to see citizenship requirement for people. Proof of that to register, proof of that to vote. Um, we'd love to get rid of the federal registration form so that states are truly in charge and can make sure that only people that are truly legally allowed to register are voting. This crazy common sense stuff that you speak of, uh, is this, is it, how much of it is in place in Missouri right now and how much are you leading the charge to get done? You know, I'd st we, we don't have proof of citizenship required. Uh, and th the great thing about that is it would set up a federal lawsuit with the Department of Justice. I love to fight the D Department of Justice when they're wrong. They tried to send federal agents into our polling places in November of 22. I kicked them out because they weren't legally there. But we need states to control elections. We need to be able to prove that you're a citizen. The federal government won't allow us to do that. that we're looking at that. We're looking at better audits. We're looking at making uh, voter registrations expire and setting those up with your driver's license. So if you renew your driver's license, you automatically get renewed to vote. But if you don't, we're kitting you off of the ballot, the rolls to make sure we're cleaning them. So let me ask you about the, the, the driver's license piece of this, yeah. because one of the concerns that a lot of people have, and I think rightly so, is that all of these states are now allowing people who are in this country illegally to get driver's licenses. And they made the case about safety and blah, blah, blah. So if I get a driver's license, let's say I'm in a, a, an amnesty state like California, I get a driver's license and then I'm illegally in this country but I have this California driver's license and I moved to Missouri. What prevents me from being able to register to vote? Um, we are asking people whether they're citizens, obviously, when they register. We are using the citizenship data that we have and that our Department of Revenue has to look at voter rolls. But what we really need to require, and federal law says we can't, so we have to go to court right. to set that up, is we need to require people to prove that they're citizens before they're allowed to register. We need to require them to prove that they're citizens when they want to vote. We're actually trying to make sure that on any driver's license that the state of Missouri puts out, it says whether or not you were a citizen when you received that license. Would real ID, I know real ID has been a, a, uh, a big issue 
that the government since 9-11 has been trying to do and it keeps getting postponed. And if you're not familiar with this, uh, it's a license that has a star on it and, it and you have to have gone through extra documentation. Would Real ID help you accomplish this? Uh, Real ID does help us accomplish that. There are concerns about all the data that the government is collecting. So we're looking at requiring whether or not you're a citizen or not to be labeled on your ID, whether it's a real ID or not. But but let's get back to, and I, look, I, I want to be clear on this. I You, as I said, have been a champion in photo ID and voter integrity, but your hands are to some degree, as you mentioned, tied because of federal laws and what data you can access and not. The scenario that I gave you a moment ago, people always say on the left that this is impossible. These folks can't vote. They're not allowed to. It's illegal. I get it's illegal. There's a lot of things that are illegal that people do. How realistic is it that people who are not legal citizens of this country, but are being given driver's licenses in amnesty states, can figure out how to register to vote without being impeded by a state like yours? It's realistic. It see, is very but realistic. Why, but see, and, and I, and this is what I, this is, I think you're, that's why I'm trying to say, I get your, your efforts should be applauded. This is a real thing. But when the media says it doesn't exist, there's no way to tell, is there? Because if I go get a driver's license, I register to vote and there's no way that you can check my, uh, check the data to prove it, then they don't know themselves. It's a lie for the media to perpetrate that says that, that no one's doing this, right? Because we just can't tell. We have found individuals that were not citizens that were registered to vote that we removed from the polling, from the voter rolls. That's why you have to require not just someone to say they're a citizen, but proof of citizenship for registering and voting. Right. And that's the thing. So what other issues? I mean, how concerned are you about like mail-in ballots? Oh, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing for election security. Even if everything works correctly and you are who you say you are, historically, there's about a two to two and a half percent chance that your vote won't count because your ballot comes in late. Uh, the, the, the post office, uh, the, the postal system loses it or the equipment can't read it or you voted twice for one office. So your vote doesn't count. You're, you're, you're in, in that area. It's far better. The gold standard is to have people show up in person on election day, prove who they are with the government issued photo ID. You got perfect chain of custody. You prove who you are. They hand you the ballot, you fill it out and it gets tabulated. That's how it ought to be done. And so what, what concern, like, so last time, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and other states literally changed their rules. The state constitution in Pennsylvania doesn't allow for early voting, and they allowed it. What is being done? I, I know that the secretaries of state, your colleagues, you guys have groups and organizations you check. What's being, what, what is happening and what should be done ahead of this election so that we're not behind the curve again when it comes to watching these states not follow their laws and regulations? You know, one of the big things that was done because of what we saw in 2020 is we've seen states like Missouri prohibit courts from changing election laws or election regulations within six months of a presidential election. Uh, the idea there is if there are going to be changes in our rules or our laws, they should be done by the legislature. They should be done well in advance of the election and they should apply to everyone equally. It shouldn't be what we saw in Pennsylvania where the courts took over, ignored what the Supreme Court said and ignored what their own constitution said about absentee ballots. You know, when you lead this effort on photo ID, some of the claims that the left will give you is it disproportionately affects minority groups, et cetera. 
how 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 much how have you handled those uh, those arguments? I point out that they're completely wrong. It's the <laughs> opposite. We provide free IDs if necessary for the individual. We pay for the underlying documentation, even working with other states. If we need to say get a birth certificate or a marriage certificate or a, a legal name change from another state, we pay for that. And now an individual that did not have an ID can not only vote and know that their elections are more secure, but they can use that ID for everything else they need to use that in society. If they, they want to open up a bank account, no longer be unbanked. It will help them with everything they want to do. We should do that. And of course, the data shows that no matter what demographic group you look at, they all believe that photo ID helps. And when people know that their vote will count and the election is secure, they're more likely to participate. You know what I always find funny is the left talks about how it disproportionately affects uh, people of low income, okay? And I go, okay, that's interesting because those same people who are on low income probably would get qualify for government benefits. Okay, well, how do you get the government benefits? You need an ID. So it's, it's amazing how their own arguments undermine themselves when they're talking about specific groups. Did you work, when you do this in Missouri, do you work with with you know low income groups or the NAACP or anything like this to try to to rebuff any of these attacks, we tried to. Uh, when this was getting rolled out, we had multiple meetings with stakeholders all over the place, organizations that already help people get IDs, organizations that work with the homeless, the ACLU, different religious groups. Uh, we were a, we want to make this work. This is the law. Help us do it well and. Um, we worked with them and then they just sued us. They did not want to make it work. They did not want to take care of the people they said that they took care of. For them, it was all about politics instead of people. We wanted to make sure those people could, could have uh, a job and do those things that require an ID and could know that their vote would matter and would count and participate. When it all came down to brass tacks, those organizations didn't care at all about the people. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, let me ask you one last question. You have a handle on this clearly in Missouri, and you're making sure that people's votes count and people who shouldn't vote. If you live in another state, particularly a swing state, a Pennsylvania, a Michigan, a Georgia, and Arizona, and you're watching this right now, what should people ask of their elected officials, their secretary of state, their state rep, their state senate, to, to have a model that works like what you guys are doing in Missouri. So I'm watching this right now. I don't live in Missouri, but I want to follow the Jay Ashcroft model of securing my vote. What should I be asking my elected official? Do everything possible to get them to clean election rolls. You talk about Michigan, what they did to expand their election rolls in the last couple of years is ridiculous. Do everything possible to restrict who can vote absentee by mail um, to make sure that those are the people that actually have to. We do need to take care of our young men and women in the military that have been sent overseas. But as much as possible, go to the gold standard. People vote in person, prove their identity with that government-issued photo ID. You'd like to have a citizenship requirement. You'd like to have them required to use their full legal name to help clean our, 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 our election rolls. You want to have them vote in such a way that when they're done, be it they, they mark it with a pen or they mark it with a tablet, but they actually have a paper ballot that they can look at and say, is this voted correctly? And that's the official ballot. And then, of course, you want to have good audits after the election 
and you want to have as many poll workers, poll challengers, and poll watchers so that we, the people, actually see what's going on behind the scenes. You know, I'm telling you, I know you're running for governor of Missouri, but I wish you, I almost feel like I want you to stay as secretary of state because this is the model of how to do it right, what you're doing in Missouri. So secretary of state, uh, Jay Ashcroft, thank you for joining us. Thanks for all you're doing, not just in Missouri, but spreading the word about how to do this right. I appreciate the amicus brief that you filed on behalf of President Trump and best of luck on the campaign trail. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You bet. And go Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> oh, you ruined a perfectly good interview with that. <laughs> All right. I want to thank you for being with us. We had a great conversation. So much to take away from that and action items that all of us can use to make sure that the 2024 election is the most secure ever. Thanks for being with us. Continue to subscribe. Go join my VIP group, seanspicershow.com slash VIP. Uh, you can get invited to weekly chats with us. Uh, continue to subscribe, share the show. I appreciate it all. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Sean Spicer Show.